Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard, and welcome to the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, I talk with Alionka, a journalist and television personality living here in New York City, who threw me a bit of a curveball. She asked a question about the impact of recovery from an eating disorder that she so courageously shared with us. And to be honest, you know, I felt a little out of my depth initially because, you know, it's not a field of expertise that I have. However, as the conversation unfolded, we unearthed some insights that were not very obvious prior to this conversation that proved very, very helpful. Yeah, so my name is Alianka, and I just moved back to New York uh, to expand my business. Um, I've been living in Detroit for the last year, and I facilitate a space for people to come together to have a conversation on what it means to be a modern human in today's society. Mm. And I've learned a lot through that process, and uh, New York feels like the right place for me now. Um, so that's what I'm doing here. But the reason why I moved back to Detroit, um, I had spent 10 years as a broadcaster and a producer in media. And throughout those 10 years, I was battling an eating disorder. And it all culminated in April of 2017, where I had to step into recovery because I faced a life or death situation. And through that rebirth uh, came this new calling and this new journey for me where I learned to not only connect with myself, but to connect with others and to provide that space for healing. And it's been incredibly humbling in really surrendering into the process of my body rebirthing itself. Um, I've gone through so many firsts in learning how to walk again, um, learning how to eat again, learning how to sleep, learning how to breathe. Mm. And my recovery in particular was very, very difficult in that my organs were all failing and parts of my brain were atrophying. And so the idea of me not being able to communicate was really why I chose to step into recovery because all of a sudden I felt like if I couldn't use the tool that um, brings me so much joy, what you know, what am I doing? And so within this process, I'm now 14 months in recovery. My question really is based around this kind of body and, and mind connection or body and heart in that because there is still so much fear attached to my body failing me, um, at the onset of any sort of ailment in that I start to feel the same things that I did when my body was shut down, whether it was losing sight or being sensitive to light, sensitive to heat, I immediately step into fear. And I try very, very hard to remain calm and practice breathing and almost trying to step into meditation of some sort just to stop that process because what ends up happening is I have a debilitating migraine and, and I'm bedridden for two days and it takes me a long time to recover. And also there's this sense of guilt and shame. Like I couldn't prevent that. I did something wrong. My recovery isn't good enough. So how do we, A, find and practice kindness in those moments when we do take a step back, but also what are the opportunities of, of growth and learning when our bodies fail us 
and we have to, I suppose, surrender into that failure. Mm -hmm. um, you just said it right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my my response. I'll elaborate on it. <laughs> Please, yeah. It's so important, firstly, that you acknowledge, you know, the journey that you've been on to get to here, mm. <laughs> to sit here looking as healthy and be as coherent and be at peace and share your story and be engaged in this conversation and feel a sense of purpose to help others. I mean, you have taken such a massive leap and and it wasn't done in one leap i'm under no illusion it was mm -hmm. tiny little painful steps to get to where you are but it, it's 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 an enormous leap that has enabled you to arrive at this point of true empowerment true empowerment in this day and age is clunky it's filled with anxiety <laughs> and fear that has nothing to do with your capability to be at peace with yourself in this moment. It's got to do with the memory of the past. Mm. And you're, you're carrying shame and guilt about what you know you did to your body or didn't do. And you said it, surrender. Surrender, surrender, surrender to the reality of where you're at, to the reality of the situation, and you've been doing it. You couldn't have got here unless you did that. <laughs> Keep doing what you've been doing. Nothing's different here. It's just becoming increasingly more refined. And because you're getting around now and the body feels strong, the mind feels strong, you're like, okay, I'm healthy. I shouldn't be experiencing this, that, and that anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a narrative going on inside your mind? Yeah, I've, I've come so far, therefore I should be mm -hmm. whole. Yeah. Mm -mm. This is a, a protection mechanism for the wounding that you want to believe that you're out of danger. Mm-hmm. And so you tell yourself a story. And I believe that you are out of danger. But in masking that part of our wounding, we, we put blinders on. There's still some stuff in the shadows. And what's in there is still remnants of shame and guilt. Shame and guilt are the stickiest of them all. Mm. And it, it takes a real particular concentrative detergent to get that scum off the soul <laughs> and that concentrated detergent is a very refined quality of self-love that requires such subtlety of attention and willingness despite your fatigue and exhaustion for how far <laughs> you've <sighs> uh, you know you want to believe, okay, I'm, I'm out of the danger zone. And you are. But you still require many of the tools that you need are just more refined now mm -hmm. to be connecting with the experience that you're having. And it's okay to feel shame and guilt. It's natural for, for that. 
And it's probably very misappropriated most of the time. And then there's a part of you that knows that because of what you are experiencing, you are violating yourself to mm. some extent, right? Yeah, I mean, to abuse your body um, in such a masochistic way. And when you talk about self-love or being of love, made of love, the unlovable is so visceral. Mm-hmm that you do anything in your power to make it true. Mm -hmm. And so breaking that pattern and reconnecting with your inner child Mm. and finding those things, meeting those things again Mm. that had brought you love Mm. and joy and fulfillment is a difficult path, but an important journey. And I I feel what's interesting, I, I think in, you know, what you were saying is it's almost like body memory, right? Sense memory of things that happened in the past. Is there then an opportunity to step away from, you know, when thoughts come up, negative thoughts come up, and they potentially manifest these um, things in the body, mm-hmm. these ailments. Is there then an opportunity before the physical ailment occurs to to remove the thoughts or what step into the thoughts and feel them or what what is isn't there a way to sidestep the end result of the ailment Mm -hmm. eventually yes Mm -hmm. you said something very very interesting and very revealing that i think will give you a clue about this you said that the the unlovability becomes so visceral that you want to create a situation a condition to make that true. May I challenge you on that? Sure. Because I think this is the little the little glitch in your healing, perhaps. Mm. I don't believe that you were doing what you were doing to make it true. You were trying to discover the truth. And in your destructive tendency to either ignore the body or abuse the body, you were wanting to see what would endure beyond what you found unlovable. You couldn't find love in your body, and so you were allowing that to die to see what would endure. Hmm. This is your nature. This is not something that I would argue is debatable. It is our nature to survive. It is our nature to want to live. It's our nature to want to love ourselves. It's our nature to want to love everything. It's our nature to want to know. You felt choiceless in your pain. You felt like there was no out that way. So you're like, all right, we're going to go out in this way. I'm going to just let it all just fall apart. And then the truth will be revealed. Hmm. And it was, and the reason why I'm reframing it for you is because there is still a part of you that is identified with this belief that you abused yourself for no good reason. 
for no reason that is sustainable, worthy and lasting, that cannot still remain as a part of your narrative as you move forward into being fully empowered? I, I mean, I would say I, I, I know why I did that. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the final steps in my recovery and um, feeling seen by my mother. Mm -hmm. The way that I relate to what you're saying is that in imploding, it's like a slow suicide, really, waiting for someone to notice mm -hmm. and recognizing that even on my deathbed, really, no one cared. Mm -hmm. And so... Did you? Yeah, I guess, yes, yes, because, yes, I'm this here. Is, this is what I'm talking about. Right. You were... You were waiting for the deepest truth to emerge, huh. which see. is that in order for me to exist sustainably in this world, I must first love myself. Hmm. My love for myself cannot be conditional dependent upon my mother or anybody else before I give myself love. Hmm. And you felt so trapped in your need for your mother's recognition that you were willing to allow the body to to die to reveal the deeper truth now i'm not saying it was necessarily conscious mm -hmm. but this is what we this is the the, the extent that we'll go to <laughs> in order to get the truth because at the end of the day we want the truth when we're when we're in in such a situation that you were in what you want is the truth. And I really encourage you to reflect on this mm -hmm. because embracing this means that you are finding empowerment in what happened. There was, you were there, you were present. You were always witness to what you were doing mm -hmm. and that there was a desire there not to give up, if you're going to be very honest with yourself, you didn't want to die. You wanted to live. You want your mum to see you. You want the world to see you. You want to give everything that you have to the world. You want to receive everything that the world has to offer you. That's the truth, right? Yeah. I think that's important. Um, I think this, uh, this conversation is really important because... Um, mental health and um, eating disorders in particular and anorexia nervosa even more so in particular is something that is still so taboo mm. not talked about um, it actually has the highest mortality rate of any mental illness um, and the quick fix is treatment is prescription pills and um, not this kind of work mm. in really rebirthing in the way um, that you're saying, which is hitting zero to realize that within that zero, there is always you. Yeah. And from there, you add one, two, three, all the basics, mm -hmm. um, and you build that foundation. Yeah. Which you've done, which is extraordinary. And now, just as a little you know, a couple of lines in one of the chapters of this magnificent story. Just rewrite. I did this to discover the deepest truth of who I am. 
Mm. I needed to do this in order to, to get to that. Some of us do have to go there. Some of us have to do that. Some of the most powerful and enlightened people I know are recovering addicts. Recovering. They're recovered, as far as I'm concerned, but I respect the, the perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's because they went somewhere so terrible and went through the arse end of it and out the other end and saw the light of themselves and boom, rose out. And they are such powerful, impactful people in this world. And a big part of their work was at some point realizing, wow, I, I needed to go there to discover who, who I am, mm -hmm. who I am. And I'm sure you've reflected on it in this context before, yeah. but just in the way that you'd said it, you know, I needed to, it, it, it just needed to be recontextualized, I think, in that moment. And I think what you'll find when you can allow this journey to be perfect, this story to be perfect, as painful as it is, and see the light in it, and really take refuge and surrender into the failure, and take responsibility for that, and interact with it from that place of knowing who you are now, mm -hmm. that is going to generate the, the momentum that you're desiring the healing that you're desiring. Always revert back to that. Complete surrender. Feel the pain. Feel the disappointment. Feel the shame. Feel the guilt. But feel it from the perspective of your true power. Hmm. And become intimately acquainted with the relationship. True self, condition of the body, condition of the mind. You're not either. You observe those. And they're always changing. They're always evolving. And over time, you're going to become increasingly more refined in your relationship to when these things come up and they, they, they take over. Mm -hmm. And I, my guess is, I'm not a doctor, but my guess is that the physical responses that you have to these fears that come up that then manifest into physical problems yeah. will subside. They'll become increasingly less overwhelming for you because the place in which you're relating to them is from true love, mm. true acceptance. Do you meditate? Not actively, no, not really. It's something that I really strongly uh, recommend, particularly in this phase of your healing, because I believe that a lot of what you're going to experience moving forward from here is going to have a lot to do with the relationship between your mind and your body. And the mind and body are inextricably connected. What happens in the mind gets printed out in the body. And I think you've got absolute evidence of that. Mm -hmm. And the more the mind becomes this coherent, energetic, creative, dynamic, caring, attentive, present, vehicle of your attention, the more your body is going to receive exactly what it needs from it. You know, the mind-body relationship in healing is 
absolutely huge. You know, the, the, the whole placebo thing, you know, you are the placebo. Mm -hmm. They're recognizing now is not just some sort of <laughs> arbitrary sort of fa fantastical thing. The placebo is actually the intention and the will mm -hmm. that we have and the power of that will and the quality of our attention that we give ourselves with the belief that we are lovable and we can be healed actually causes most of the healing. Meditation cultivates that particular state of mind. It also provides profound rest for the body and automatically coordinates the mind and body to work together in a way that causes vitality, causes the body to flourish. And yeah, I think you'd really, really benefit from it. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you for sharing. Of course. It's my yeah. honor. Thank you. It never ceases to amaze me that, you know, in all my years of experience of interacting and sharing intimately in people's experiences, that at the baseline, of most of the problems that we face as human beings is this lack of self-love and our pursuit for it. And most of the problems that we get entangled in in our lives is our misguided approach to how we attain self-love and experience it. And so it's so important that we make this a priority in our lives, although it sounds so cliche, you've got to love yourself, you've got to love yourself, to actually really understand the relevance and the importance of this and the role that a lack of self-love plays in all the challenges that you're experiencing in your life. Meditation is a really beautiful way of exposing ourselves to that place where that love spontaneously flows from and we're more easily able to engage with ourselves naturally, authentically, with a sense of love. Special thanks to our show producers, Trevor Exter and Sean Tomlin. Music by Ali. Special thanks to Andrea Stern for allowing us to record all of our sessions in her beautiful studio. And to all the One Giant Mind team. Thank you for listening and being a part of One Giant Mind. If you don't already and you're interested in learning to meditate, an easy free way is to download the One Giant Mind Learn Meditation mobile app on iTunes or Google Play. The best way to learn, however, is from a teacher. And if you're interested in learning the One Giant Mind technique, email us at teachers at onegiantmind.com and we'll help you find a teacher in your area. If you're a passionate meditator and the idea of becoming a teacher is something that inspires you, consider becoming certified with the One Giant Mind Meditation Teacher Training Program that I've developed. The certification program is 100% online and can be done on your smartphone, laptop or tablet anywhere in the world. Teaching could be one of the most fulfilling experiences because you're having such a meaningful impact in people's lives. If you're interested in enrolling and would like to receive a special discount, email teachers at onegiantmind.com and mention the One Giant Mind podcast to get a great discount. Finally, if you enjoy our show, please share it with your friends and give us a review because it improves our rankings and helps others find this podcast. And I really hope you can join us for the next episode.